welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Michael Doughty, co-founder of Hilo Athletics, and I'm going to pull a short clip from the website, which you can find, by the way, at hiloathletics.com. Hilo is spelled H-Y-L-O. At Hilo, we believe it's our responsibility to protect the future of sport and inspire positive change for our planet. We're starting with shoes. After years of hard work, we have developed the world's most sustainable running shoe. Our mission is to set a new path for sustainability in business, leisure and elite sport. So that interview with Michael to come and I really enjoyed it. We talk about what makes a sustainable trainer. Why are there misnomers about anything being made in Asia? And we also talk about football and Michael's days for playing for Queen's Park Rangers. And it was me that brought it up. But, you know, we're guys, we're going to talk about football. In the meantime, don't forget to check out the show notes over at Menswear Style. Menswearstyle.co.uk is the place to go. And on the social, we are at Menswear Style. If you want to tell us about your brand and your journey and you want to come on the show, email us here at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. Okay, let's get to it. This is a good one. And I hope you enjoy it. Here is that interview with Michael Doughty, co-founder of Hilo Athletics. Okay, well, it's my great pleasure to introduce Michael Doughty, co-founder of Hilo Athletics. How are you doing today, Michael? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm really good. Excellent to talk to you. Michael, for the uninitiated, please give us a, a little thumbnail sketch of you and what it is you do at Hilo Athletics. Okay, in short, um, my backstory is as a professional footballer. So I've, up until about two months ago, um, been playing um, for 10 years um, from the Premier League and below, more recently um, below. And um, one of my co-founders and I, a couple of years ago, had the idea to create a mainstream sports brand um, that fought for planet. So that was sort of the genesis of Hilo. In my sort of career as an athlete, I was inadvertently subscribing to these big brands that didn't necessarily share my value system or align with kind of the future of sport that I wanted to see. So we thought there was an opportunity to create something new. And, and that's really where sort of Hilo started. Um, you know, a couple of mates having a chat around, uh, yeah, around sports and planets. And so... What is Hilo specifically and how long has it been going as a company now? So Hilo is the sustainable sportswear company for Planet, really. That's that's the soundbite. Um, we've been working on the project for two years, but we've only formally launched to market in the last three months. So we launched on August the 25th, um, but been a lot of work in the background to get to that point. And maybe talk me through some of the process. So the idea from concept to market you say it's been about two years what are the early sketches like the early conversations you know can you talk talk me through some of the baby steps that you had to go along the way well anybody who knows footwear knows that it's incredibly complex and 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 probably up there with one of the toughest products to innovate on and, and and just bring to market there's a real high barrier to entry both in cost and and technical understanding and we had no idea about that both Jacob and I when we were playing around with the idea we were like yeah we'll make some shoes and and and, and they're going to be sustainable and, and and 
yeah, it was sort of big dreams. We were quickly hit with reality when we started to do some sort of market research. Um, and there was a reason, or there is a reason why the market is relatively oligopolic in terms of some key but rather huge big players. Um, so after some sort of debate around how we would attack it, would we do apparel? Would we do footwear? Um, we stupidly or or, or <laughs> smartly decided to go with footwear. We were like, let's let's try and attack the toughest option and work our way um, from that point. Um, but we realised we might be old men by the time we had figured out how to do it and do it properly. So we got connected um, just by sort of chance to a guy called John, um, who happens now to be our third co-founder. And he's a much more experienced um, shoe dog, really. Uh, he's got 40 plus years of experience working in the shoe industry. Is from Northampton, which is the cobbler's town in the UK. Um, he's a third generation shoemaker who was most recently on the global board of directors for ASICS. So he was the credibility and the knowledge which allowed us to bring the product to market, really. Interesting. And... Uh, there's a great introduction on the website, um, which you can find at hilowathletics.com that introduces all of the founders. And I noticed on John's page, amongst some of his, his experience uh, with like these marquee name brands, it says that he was getting frustrated with how the brands weren't putting environmental change at the top of their list or indeed anywhere near their list. So what is it that the big brands are getting wrong? And what are you trying to course correct here? Well, I think my first answer is they're getting a lot right. I don't believe in, in bashing other brands. They're, they're phenomenal businesses, these, these businesses. And they, they do have good sustainability agendas. But if you imagine an oil tanker, trying to turn an oil tanker that makes millions of pairs of shoes a year, change all the processes, the systems, creating sustainability, you know, from the, you know, as you're part of your DNA, it's a much bigger challenge. So, you know, for us, we thought that there was a unique advantage and, and there certainly is in being able to make sustainability your mandate throughout the, the process and bottom up. So at every touch point in terms of, you know, packaging, supply chain, materials that you make the shoe with, um, you know, everything that we do is centered around planet. So I, I think... After our discussions with John, we realized that the big brands probably weren't doing enough, but I don't think it was because of the lack of intent. I think it was because of the size and scale at which they had achieved. Um, and that's where we thought we could be, you know, agile and disruptive because we are building everything ground up. So obviously we'll make some mistakes along the way, but if we stay true to our core values and our core mission which is for planet then you know we do have that that competitive advantage when it comes to sustainable development for sure interesting where are the shoes made michael so we make in putiang um which is in southeast china and it's a super interesting question actually when when we get asked this because i think there tends to be a bit of kind of a misnomer around chinese manufacturing or far east manufacturing but but footwear, pretty much across the board, performance footwear is made in the Far East. And that, that transition was done in sort of the, I think, the 1980s. Um, and where, where 
factories are at now in these in these places is is light years ahead of of, of Europe in terms of their innovation in terms of their ability to to make high quality footwear and in terms of their ability to adopt sustainability so we chose Putiang because it's a real hub of innovation in footwear it's um it's where a number of suppliers feed in to um so to give that context a, a lot of well the average shoe will have 65 components those components will have their own supply chain so before you've even made the shoe you have a number of different supply chains feeding into your manufacturing hub so a number of the emissions are sort of generated pre-assembly so we wanted to create a supply chain that thought about emissions and thought about um, obviously product quality and thought about um, labor conditions of course um, but in order to do that effectively we needed to find a place where there was real footwear um, skills and expertise so all of our um, materials are transported by road into our factory and seven of our nine suppliers are within 100 kilometers of Putian. Wow. so that's the you know uh, that is really the innovation um, uh, or one of the big innovations that we have as a brand is, is is that supply chain element. And does it come at a greater cost to you to make it more sustainable this way? I mean, like even I know it's the packaging you had is made out of recycled cardboard. And I'm thinking that that's awesome. But how come everybody's not doing that? And it seems like such a simple thing. But I imagine it's an, it's another thing that you have to kind of tack on to to your your bottom line. Or is it? Well, yeah, it certainly can be more expensive. Um, the reality is, is that the economies can be achieved with scale with these products, just like anything else. But the reality is, is that because there is less appetite from big brands to drive down, to use the products and then drive down the cost, the, the startup um, cost for brands like ours is, is, is more expensive. But we're obviously making a bet that over time, as there's greater appetite, these materials and these products will become um, more affordable um, but yeah there is some low-hanging fruit certainly with regards to recycled uh, FSC um, packaging um, and it really should probably be a mandate now across the board um, it, it's certainly not that expensive um, when you factor in um, some of the cost savings that you get environmentally and in terms of the less packaging across across the whole supply chain yeah I and by the way, I think the the shoe looks fantastic, by the way. Um, I'm kind of into that sleek, no massive logos, no embellishments. I've said it a few times on the podcast. I'm very much a man for a bit of minimalism when it comes to my footwear. What was it like for you getting the actual product in your hand for the first time? Can you remember the moment? It was crazy. We That was probably where we were most hands-on as founders. Both Jacob and I was in the design process. We we certainly subscribed to that simplicity narrative. Less is more um, creating a timeless shoe. Um, and we were presented um, by John with sort of three different options in terms of materials. I think it was organic cotton, rami fiber, which is from Nettles, and then this corn fiber shoe. And we had these three shoes all made from these incredible natural materials. Um, and then just to receive that product, anybody who's sort of had an idea, gone through the design process and then, and then received something tangible, it, it's such an exciting part of the process. Um, and then sort of we went about the decision making um, kind of 
positives and negatives off the back of that. Interesting. Well, and launching a business at this time, uh, has it had pros? Has it had cons? Has it you know, added to the world being upside down for you? Can you talk to me about what, what it's like to launch a business in this time? Well, I didn't really have much frame of reference because I haven't launched another business in a normal time. So uh, it, it's a tough one to answer. It's definitely had its challenges, certainly through the midst of the first lockdown. Um, when uh, our supply chain was being disrupted, we were constantly pushing back launch dates. Um, so I think we were due to launch in April 2020 and ended up launching end of August. So not a huge disruption, but still um, that affects a lot of other things um, in terms of marketing plans and and strategy and then the consumer right it's it's a tough market out there people are you know losing jobs um less disposable income so it's hard to know what the impacts are because we don't have a frame of reference but certainly it's it's been challenging but as a digital first business um we have uh, some inherent advantages where we can market directly to our consumers and and um sort of build slowly um and I think that's given us a bit of an advantage is, is having that direct interface and that direct channel of communications with them. And what's the reaction been like to the launch and you know, what has been the main feedback that you've had through the products? Good question. The feedback's been really strong and positive. I think people subscribe and, and really believe in the mission of Athletes for Planet. That's something that's landed very clearly with our audience. The overwhelming feedback on product is they're incredibly comfortable. If you've ever, well, you probably wouldn't have tried a corn fiber shoe, but there's. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Could you maybe drill down on that a little bit? What is the corn fiber technology? How does it work? Well, yeah, essentially we use a flyknit engineering. So if you've ever worn a pair of Nike flyknits, it's a very thin sort of layer of, of, of knit that hugs to your foot. But corn fiber is a, is a phenomenal material. We use a waste product from corn production. Um, and it's incredibly strong, durable, breathable, um, and, it, and it passes all the, the tests essentially that, that are required um, for footwear. Um, and, it's and, it, and it's got this in, in really lovely hand feel. Um, so when you sort of put it on in your foot feel, I should say, when you put it on in uh, your foot feels incredibly um, comfortable and, and, uh, and held. Um, so that's been a great response from the consumer is that initial touch point of putting their, their feet in the product. It, it, they've sort of all commented on how comfortable it is. But like any product to market, it's first to market. You, you know, you've got to own your stripes, learn, improve, evolve. Um, and that comes with resources. That comes with sales. So it's slightly chicken and egg. Um, but we're getting there. Awesome. And so the plan is to develop more in the footwear range um are you looking to get into bricks and mortar as well when the world opens up again what what's down the pipe so we'd like to say direct to consumer as long as possible um to build that community and that that uh i guess understanding and and direct channel of of, of communication with our customer and then um in terms of product development we're looking to obviously learn from this first order um from our customers and improve our V1 and, and make the product um, better and better and better. Um, and I think into 2021, it's just, you know, taking things um, slowly, looking to sort of improve our existing offering uh, before we go too wide in product development. Um, 
and then retail is something that we're interested in but as a, as a much longer term strategy for sort of more circular initiatives so being able to recycle the shoes more easily um, for the customer and, and creating more experience based um, shopping experiences interesting well michael thanks so much for taking time out to talk to me about high low athletics today like i say i think the shoe's great website's really cool as well um how long did that take to get up and running was that something you outsourced or someone inside the team yeah so we we used a great agency called other way um, uh-huh. shout out to them yeah. um they, they did a great job on on sort of the on the brand side of things and, and we worked very collaboratively collaboratively on that um anybody who sells online knows the website is a real beast and and it's it's kind of a science so there's still some optimization to happen there um but we're, we're quite pleased with how we've landed and and the messaging that we're getting across yeah no, i think it looks great and the website by the way again is hiloathletics.com the place you can go and at hiloathletics to check out some of the images of the shoes and uh the ambassadors as well. I noticed you got Bamford on there from Leeds <laughs> doing the bulk sign. Looks pretty good. Oh man! Well, I was going to get onto about the offside rule because he had that goal disallowed at Leeds the other day. That was just... Yeah, we should have a Premier. We should have a Premier League high low athlete with eight goals, not seven. So, <laughs> Stuart, Stewart's inquiry for sure on that one. Oh my god! Was it um, QPR that you played for? Yeah, so I started um, at QPR at the age of thirteen. Mm. Um, and sort of worked my way through the youth system there and, and, and made my debut for the first team there and then had sort of five, six year, years there where it was in and out of the team a little bit. Um, never really never really made that sort of landmark um, yeah, moment which catapulted my career. It was sort of uh, getting into the team, getting out of the team. Um, but I had some amazing experiences, played in the Premier League and... and uh, and it was a really uh, yeah interesting part of my life. Did you get to so QPR? Your derby games would probably be like Chelsea, uh, Fulham, Brentford, Brentford. Oh, Brentford's <laughs> yeah. right. Oh, yeah, of course, Brentford right next door. What is it, did you get to play in any derbies? <laughs> yeah, so I played. Um, I played against Brentford and came on against Fulham and was on the bench against Chelsea. So um, those are pretty interesting days. And yeah, I mean. First time my experience as an athlete has, has really sort of helped shape kind of high low and, and and I think given me that resolve that you need as a founder to constantly get punched in the face basically yeah. um, as a footballer although everyone I think sees you know the lovely side of it and 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 the, the salaries and all of this stuff that gets pushed into the media you do you do have to learn to fail quite regularly you know yeah. not getting selected for the team not winning a game you know not getting promoted whatever it is it, it happens pretty pretty often in, in sport so that's been a good lesson for me as i've gone into sort of this new role as a, as a founder because you're, tr- you're constantly getting things wrong and, and hearing people's opinions and you have to have quite a strong um yeah strong uh viewpoint in order to sort of stay the course yeah how does it work, by the way, getting picked for a team? So when I played football a long time ago, not for anyone important, there would never be any kind of great announcement of, oh, no phone calls the night before or team sheets. It would be literally your name would be on the wall in the dressing room door as you go in. And if your name's not there, you may as well just get back on the bus and go home. <laughs> well, these days you've got more of an idea. It depends on the manager. Um, so we had different managers who would, 
on a Tuesday before a Saturday game would start working tactically with the team that he wanted to start with. So you'd have a clear indication of whether you were going to play. Right. Other manage, other managers would do it on a Friday just the day before. Yeah. And some managers would keep their cards very close to their chest and you'd find out Saturday at one o'clock and you'd be no devastated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it really does depend on the manager managerial style i always prefer to know quite early so at least i could you know get prepared if i'm starting or, or get over the disappointment if i'm not um, yeah. but everyone has their own approach well michael i'd love to do another 30 minutes on football but i want to be respectful of your time thanks so much for taking time out and speaking to me today and best of luck with the product and for the future cheers Pete. thank you Well, how about that? As you can appreciate, I could have talked to Michael for hours, mainly about football, VAR and crunch tackles and derbies. But that's for another time, another show. In the meantime, make sure you're checking out the good guys and head over to hiloathletics.com and treat yourself or your loved one to a good running trainer. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review. It does help our egos around here. And until next time...